Happy Halloween, everybody. Welcome to episode 277 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. This is going to be a special, like, fright-filled podcast where we talk about what scares me in the pinball hobby these days. All right, a little Halloween theme for you. But I love Halloween. It's not just the abundance of candy I've been consuming at work as I stress eat, but I love seeing every adult or most adults dress up and act like kids for a day. I think it's fun, but I also love all of my coworkers posting photos of, you know, leaving work early to, to take their kids trick-or-treating. And I think if there's anything that's really awesome about days like Halloween, it's where whether you're a kid or you're an adult, you're allowed to really be young at heart and show the world your playful side. And I think that's really important because I think as I look at the pinball hobby lately, I've seen a lot of stuff go on that just doesn't feel playful. It doesn't feel like it's the kind of conversation we should be having around pinball. And I think if I were to think of one thing that scares me the most in this pinball hobby, it is that a lot of people out there, they've lost touch with just the sheer joy that this thing is supposed to bring into your life. It is a toy. It is an unnecessary toy uh, that is supposed to provide so, you know, a few minutes of entertainment. It's not supposed to be more than that. It's not supposed to be the most important thing in your life. It's not supposed to be the thing you think about all day long. It's a toy that's just meant to bring some temporary pleasure into the world. And it does that for many, many people who play and love pinball. Uh, but most recently, and I think I see this in, in two fronts. I, I, I'm seeing this with the Beatles discussion, and I'm seeing it around the discussion with the monkey in American pinball. Uh, I, you know, it's like, let's talk about this for a minute, because you can read both of you know those game launches and the, the conversation surrounding both those games, and it's just exhaustive. Like, you literally will come out of... People complaining about Beatles just feeling exhausted. And you'll come out of people using the monkey on the back glass of Oktoberfest and just feel completely drained and exhausted. And somewhere under all of that rubble of debate, of anger, of conversation remains a simple pinball machine that is just a toy to bring joy to people. And... I think when you lose that, when you lose the context of the thing you're thinking about and talking about and arguing about all day long, I I think it puts people in a really bad headspace. Let's take the Beatles, for example. And look, I'm going to talk about the Beatles in a way on this episode that I think is fair. All right, I, I do. I don't think everything that Stern is doing with this game is like... Perfect, and I don't think this is the Beatles game that some of you wanted, and I and I understand like where you're coming from, right? But I also don't think Stern, you know, made the worst game ever, and and, and is deserved of all of the anger and the commentary surrounding this game, because I also think there is a level of hypocrisy uh, 
in all of the sort of debate surrounding this title. You know, on one level, you have people saying, well, the Beatles fan base is really old. Their last concert together was like 1970. So like Beatles fans are like 60, 70 years old. Okay, so you're saying the demo that is into the Beatles is old. So then Stern goes and makes a game that is easy for and approachable for casual pinball players and older people who might be into pinball who didn't grow up with these like super complex depth driven code games with 18 wizard modes and multipliers and chess math to do to to figure out what to shoot um they made a throwback game and so you know that seemingly is the kind of game you would make if you're targeting that demographic but that's not what people are saying. They want it like a modern version of a pinball machine based upon the Beatles' error of Yellow Submarine or whatever, right? So it's like they can't win there. It's like they just can't win. It's like you can't have it both ways. The other thing that I keep hearing people complain about is is how Stern fucked this up. How Stern doesn't know what they're doing. How Stern's going to... like. They're going to take it on the chin. They're going to learn the hard way. Like all these things, all these things that people are complaining about. And I really just have one simple question. Does anyone who's on Pinside know how to run a successful pinball company? Does anybody? Does, is anyone there successfully proven that they know how to run a pinball company and stay in business through Good times and bad times. You guys know how to do this better than Stern, right? You know how to make this game better than Stern. The other thing is you have no idea what went on behind the scenes about the creation of this game. And this is why I said Stern should be more transparent in communicating you know, the origins of why this game is the way it is. You have no idea what the Beatles asked for. You have no idea what the license uh, prohibited and what the license allowed. You have no idea how the music structure worked. You know, you're complaining about these songs and that song. You have no idea how much money that costs. You have no idea about any of it. So everything you're complaining and moaning and groaning about, there might be a very reasonable explanation uh, that would get you to just shut up about it. But that's not good enough, right? There's just like, you know, there's just this like feeling that you've been wronged and you've been entitled uh, to get the Beatles pinball machine that you want. And I, and I just, that scares me. It scares me that people on Pinside look at a company like Stern who has really been the only company that has delivered time and time again quality machines based on themes you want year after year after year, right? Year after year after year. I mean, look, I think Stern could put more in their games, but Stern does not have to put more in their games because the other pinball companies out there can't get games in boxes fast enough for you. So I can't blame them from a business standpoint for giving you enough of a great or really good pinball experience that makes you want to buy it. And there's been so many Stern releases over the last few years which you have bought sight unseen, right? Without even playing it, their games have sold out. And I just I just see this anger and I see this sort of Stern slamming and piling on Stern that is really driven by, it's so weird to me, it's like driven by these people 
that I don't get what their goal is. And it doesn't matter because Stern will be successful in this venture. I, I fully anticipate Stern will not take a beating on this title. Uh, and here's why. They won't make 1,964 Beatles pinball machines if there isn't demand for it. That is what they are saying will be the total number they will make. But if that's not the orders they get, they don't have to sell all these on day one sold out. And and that's another thing. It's like they can keep Beatles pinball machines as options for buyers for as many years as they want to. Uh, you know, people might say the license might run out, this and that. I think they'll be fine. I think Joe knows how to ink these deals. And, and, and you know, it's, it's not going to it's not going to sell out the way. Uh, uh, let's see, like Iron Maiden LE sold out for you guys. It's not going to sell out the way Star Wars LE sold out or Ghostbusters LE or Batman 66. But this game wasn't designed for you guys on Pinside. And, and that just seems to be really hard for people to understand that. And it scares me that people can't see that. I, it really does. It's like, why can't people just step back a little bit and remove themselves a little bit from this release and say, you know, what was Stern going for here? And if you don't like it, cool. Like, I'm all for people being like, I don't like it. I think it's ugly. I think it's stupid. I, that's You are so entitled to that opinion, and you are entitled to share that opinion, and you are entitled to put that opinion on Pinside and repeat it time and time again. But the problem with Pinside, and what scares me about that site, is that site's own uh, inability to understand how small of a portion and a percentage they are of the actual pinball buying community. They really like to think that it's like 90% of people who buy pinball machines are on pin side, and it's like the opposite. It's like maybe 10% of all games sold globally by Stern Pinball uh, is on Pinside every day talking and complaining or praising games, right? The hyper users, the actual people who spend every day posting and commenting is such a small percentage, but they would have you believe it's the opposite. And I've never seen a community with such a false sense of entitlement and power and control that they think they have over uh, what will make a pinball company succeed or fail. Like, I think Pinside actually believes if they complain loud enough that Stern will suffer somehow. And I, I, I just don't think that's the case. And a good example of how Pinsiders and the hyper users, you know, they have this, this like self-important sort of approach to all of this is the thread about my distributor, you know, how, how bad is Beatles selling? And it's based on a focus group of just a few people who are saying the game must be selling horribly because I got a call from my distributor that was, you know, asking me if I was interested in the Beatles and my distributor never called me around Batman or Iron Maiden and those games did great. So this must mean that sales are piss poor. And I don't think that is the case. I don't think that's what that's indicative of. I think this is probably simply just Stern 
if they're going with that model of distributors have to sell like 10 to get the nicer, you know, premium or sorry, platinum or diamond editions, they might just be going to their long-term customers who have bought a lot from them in the past and ask them, hey, is Beatles for you? Is, is that a crime? Is, is why, see, when I see people complain about that, or when I see people look at that as a negative, and as a sign of, of horrible things to come. I, I really just feel like Stern can't win with these babies. And it's just, it's, it's ridiculous to me. It's like, so what if a distributor called you up and asked you if you might be interested in the Beatles? So what? And if you're not, cool. You have a good distributor. I wish my distributor would call me up and ask me if I'm interested in games when they're revealed. And in, in fact, my distributor does do that. And he's a great guy. And it's Coin Taker. And Chris and Chris and Melissa are amazing. And I, I, I do. I think they're one of the best out there. But he, we talk all the time about what's coming out, if I might be interested, this and that. You know, and it's like a lot of you. It's like you're always on the fence with these games. If you have a, if you know your distributor on a first name basis, and you have your distributor's cell phone number in your phone, uh, there's a good chance you and him go back and forth whenever there's a new reveal to see if you're interested or not. You know, and so it's 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 at the point now where I really think everyone needs to just relax a little bit. If you don't want Beatles, life will go on. If you're not interested in Beatles, life will go on. Stern as a company does not deserve to be like so crucified for this game because I don't think you really know what went on behind the scenes. And I also think Stern is about to give you the Munsters. They're about to give you so many more titles. Uh, Elvira, you know, the list goes on and on. They're going to give you an original Steve Ritchie game coming up. So how is Stern ever really seen as the bad guys in the hobby? Okay? How are they the bad guys? Right? If any other manufacturer... Sorry, I mean, if Stern did what any other manufacturer out there did, they would be crucified and burned at the stake. If Stern revealed Pirates of the, if, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, if Stern revealed a game at Expo and said it was going to ship by TPF and then a year went by and the game didn't even ship, um, would, you, would you really let them get away with that? If Stern revealed a game with the art package that looked like Oktoberfest, would you let them get away with that? If Stern launched a game uh, like Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle with that kind of shot geometry, would you let them get away with that? And, you know, any, any of the other companies out there, uh, you know, if you put their game with a Stern logo on it, you guys would be kicking and screaming with the exception of Pirates of the Caribbean. And like I've said before, Jack's issues are never about the games themselves. It's about the themes of the games that he chooses to make, and it's how long he makes people wait, where Stern keeps getting you games month after month after month, right? And I think there's just something to be said for that. So hopefully, hopefully, we will reach a point where people will actually play the Beatles, make up their mind, decide if they want one or not, and if they don't, just move on. It's just not worth your time. I mean, I see the battles, the fights. Why would you, if you don't like this game, go into a thread to just argue about it and constantly shit on it? And believe me, this is coming from me. 
And I used to do that on Pinside. I was banned from Pinside for that behavior. And I empathize with the people that behave this way because I understand what forums do to people. They make people um, go nuts. They make you be negative more than positive because you get caught up in this mob mentality and you act like we've been wronged and we're going to grab the pitchforks and let Stern know about it. And let me tell you something. Stern doesn't give a shit or read Pinside about all of your moaning and groaning. In fact, I'm pretty sure the people at Stern make fun of the people on Pinside who never stop bitching and moaning and crying about their games, right? Ask Iceman how many Stern pinball machines he owns. I think he owns quite a few. So what's the problem, Ice? Just don't buy it if you don't want it. Do you really have to go on a crusade against it? It's just, it's just weird to me. I mean, on this show, the companies that I've gone on crusades against, they were companies that I believe deserved to be, um, you know, to, to be under attack. I, I did believe that Andrew Highway was going to screw you people over. I do believe that Barry and Yop were lying the whole time. I, you know, I do believe, you know, that the reboot of Highway was going to be another failure. I do believe, you know, that like, I, we, we, we always really go directly after the people that I think deserve it, right? And again, I'll say this though, too much negativity too much hate, too much complaining. It it sucks the fun out of the hobby. It does. You know, I, I, I literally, I think people need to learn not to be that way. So talking about sucking the fun out of the hobby. I mean, I literally covered monkey business on the last podcast and I told you where I stood on this, that I just felt like, you know, this is something that was 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 a stupid thing to do. It doesn't like make me feel like American pinball is a bunch of like sexist. Um, they're they're removing it, and I just feel like yeah, it was it was it was an, a, a a joke in bad taste. But I wasn't like extremely offended, and I think they're doing the right thing by taking it off. Okay, so their Facebook page around this topic has just blown up. I mean, it literally has pulled people from every end of the spectrum to chime in and discuss this. And the problem again with social media, this is the same problem with Pinside. Would Iceman tell George Gomez to his face that he thinks Gomez is an idiot and doesn't know how to launch a pinball game? Would any of them say that to George Gomez's face? Absolutely not. You know, would, would Levy and Hilton be, you know, beating each other over the head the way they are if they were in the same room together? Absolutely not. And this is the problem with, like, social media. It's the problem with forums. Is it really, like, brings out the worst in people? And because you're not saying stuff to people's faces, there's one thing that's always missing. And I work in communications, and, and this is why I always hate... Uh, presenting even over the phone, right? Even being able to hear people's tone on the phone. I think so much is lost in life. When you're trying to have a conversation with someone about something you feel strongly about, you can't see the person. You can't read their body language. You don't know how they're reacting to what you're saying. And, And so that leads to a lot of perceived insensitivity, when you're talking to someone about a topic like like sexism 
and racism and sexual harassment. I mean, people were talking about rape on on this thread, and it turned into uh, some of the most heated debates people are having in society wrapped up around a pinball back glass. And that, to me, is a problem. Like, pinball should never be the catalyst to even begin having such serious discussions or topics or debates. And, you know, because, again, like, I just, I think it invites people to behave a little trollish. I think it invites people to say extreme things. And I think everyone then is just just trying to say something that gets a reaction because that's social media. I mean, if you think about Pinside and Facebook, they both are engineered to get reactions from people. People on Pinside are addicted to getting a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You know, and I remember being on that site. You post something, you go back to it. You want to see who thumbs up, who thumbs down. And then you look at the people who thumbs down you and they become your enemies. And then all of a sudden you start to create civil wars within topics based upon whether or not someone liked your comment or not. That is not the way real life works. It's not the way talking to people in person works, uh, but it's the way social media works. And so this monkey business thing really spiraled into this position where, you know, we had people on there. We have men, we have women. We have them debating what their feelings were around this backlash. And, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing for me to see like such extreme behavior taking place uh, because personally... This is just my personal opinion. I just don't think um, people should have used that moment as a moment to have some of the conversations they were having. For example, if a female pinball player in a league has been sexually assaulted or harassed at a tournament or at a pinball event, that is serious. Like That is nothing to be laughed at. Like That is not tolerable in this hobby, nor should that be tolerated anywhere, right? Whether it's at, I mean, I've seen it happen like at Comic-Cons, like people are like, you know, either groping or, or, you know, guys know what they're doing when they want to, when they want to do something that is crossing the line. Like, I think they, they are fully aware uh, of when they're in the wrong. And so again, a cartoon monkey touching two women on a back glass is, is now sparking a conversation around assault. And it was leading to like conversations around like rape even. And it's just, again, it's just like, it's a monkey on a back glass. Yes, it is creepy as fuck that some like white old dude probably made that decision. And, you know, here's the difference between, let's say, Elvira and this monkey. Because when we get Elvira, right? When we get Elvira, um, there are going to be lots of boobs on that game. Elvira's whole thing is that she sells sex. She sells it. She sells her sexy image to the world, and that is her shtick. But here's the difference. That's her decision to sell her body, her image. You know, she is the willing participant in that behavior, okay? there You are not a willing participant um, if a monkey is grabbing your butt. And again, it's not, that's not the, that see again, it's like we're going between like real world and fictional world. But the thing is, it's just like, it wasn't like this is 
a woman's decision to showcase an act in which women are being groped by a monkey. And I think that's the big difference because I think what people confuse like like sexism and pinball is is basically if you go up to Elvira and you see Elvira looking all sexy, looking all provocative, and that's Elvira's like whole thing, you can't look at that and be like, well, that's sexism, that's objectifying women. I, I don't think you can look at it and say that. Now, as a woman, you might look at Elvira and think she's offensive. That's that's totally that's totally um, fair for you to feel that way. But I don't think you can criticize. Elvira Pinball is being a sexist pin. Again, because she's a woman and she can make a decision on how she wants to represent her character. Um, But if you look at some of the older pinball games in which there's like women in like overly sexualized positions and, you know, can you look at that and say, well, that's sexist? Because that's that's like some guy who's an artist who's who's drawing women in very like sexually, um, you know, provocative manner just just to for the amusement of men and women who play the games find that offensive right you can make that argument okay so here's the thing the last five minutes or so of this podcast i i like never want to have again because again i i i just think that this is not a hobby where we should be having all of this debate i i I don't i i just don't think there's a pinball form or there's a pinball environment in which this debate will ever be healthy. I think everyone just needs to like stop overreacting to this stuff and treat each other with respect. All right, can, if you just treat everybody with respect at shows, um, if you treat everybody with respect when you make your machine, um, you know, everything will be okay. Like it's a fucking pinball machine. Like this isn't like... A, a political figure we elected into office. It's a pinball machine. And if you're disgusted by it, don't buy it. The other hard part for me as a marketer, as I look at pinball, is, is you know, I saw a lot of angry women on the thread, like really, really angry at, at, at this and, and saying that pinball needs to turn a corner, that there's lots of women who buy pinball machines now and, and this needs to stop and stuff like this can no longer be tolerated. You know, look, look, pinball is still predominantly male-driven. And if pinball, if female pinball players become a decent segment of the pinball buying community, then absolutely there's a market for companies to cater machines, um, you know, that are more in, in, in line with their interests or what they're looking for in a pinball game. Look, I think, like again, like 90, 95% of pinball machines are not seen as offensive by anybody. I, again, there's just those few machines that, like Woe Nelly is a good example. Like Woe Nelly is a machine that is fully targeting men. It's fully objectifying women. And I can see how Woe Nelly was totally offensive uh, for women to look at that machine. But do I believe that they should not have made Wonelli because it might offend some people. And I'm here to tell you, like, no, like, freedom of speech, freedom of, of expression, I, you know, I, I protect that more than just always trying to make everything to the point where, like, nobody's offended. Like, do you really want to live in a world where art can't offend somebody, Right. 
and and it goes both ways. It goes both ways. I mean, there there are certain things that you know those female pinball players might like, and things that they might consider you know awesome that might be offensive to other people. And I just I look. I think at the end of the day, you should be allowed to put out whatever creative expression you want within certain boundaries. Of course, right? I'm I mean, I'm not like yeah yeah you could have like a pedophile like but no no you can't. There are certain things that just should never be like represented like in pinball machines. But I just think that Woe Nelly sales will either indicate to Stern that it was a good idea or a bad idea. But I don't think we should take away the right of a pinball person to buy a game like Woe Nelly or to even have a game like Woe Nelly in existence. Again, it's a creative expression. It's, it's, yeah, it's presenting women in a way that's very like overly sexualized and in, in a very male-driven hobby like this, you know, that might be effective. You know, and, and look, again, this is just like, I think there's a very, very strong charge to overly politically correct everything. You know, it's like Carl's Jr. It's like, they, they, you guys have seen the ads. They, they use like women in bikinis to sell you cheeseburgers. And like, is it effective? Is it not effective? Should they be allowed to do that? Are the women who are in those ads, are they mad that they got the acting gig to do that commercial? And should they be allowed should they be allowed if you know to use their physical beauty to to get jobs and to sell things if that's what they want right again there's the other side of the coin you know it's like i showed the monkey on on the translate to some women i knew and they were like i don't really whatever like it's funny like they weren't offended by it you know but i can totally see how certain people would be fully offended by it so so look do, do you see what i'm getting at what scares me is we're going down these slippery slopes with a lot of these pinball conversations. And once you go open up Pandora's box, uh, it, there's no stopping it. There's no stopping it. And I think ultimately, you know, I would say let people put out whatever they want. If you don't like it, don't buy it. And you are fully free to voice your opinion and your disdain for what people put out there. But I don't want to take away people's right to put out whatever they want creatively. I don't. I think we need to stand up for people's creative expression above all else. Because one day the tables will turn and the creative expressions that we need to liberate us from oppressive things might not be you know, allowed to exist because we fought so hard to to shut down things uh, prematurely or without giving people you know the freedom of expression does that make sense am i making any sense again like i feel like i'm talking about all the wrong things and not pinball let's turn it back to pinball so what else am i scared about <laughs> um look in terms of pinball i'm scared that stern has said that beatles is already collectible when they described the messaging they said that the platinum and diamond editions were certifiably collectible, certifiable collectible. And what, 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 <laughs> like, how can you certify something as being collectible? You know, I don't know if they're taking the piss out of people, but simply certifying something as collectible is kind of like 
almost saying it's not collectible. I mean, it's really weird. It's like when Jack calls something a collector's edition. It's not a collector's edition, right? It's a collector's edition if we say it's a collector's edition. Um, it's not a limited edition. Well, no, that's the difference. Limited, by definition, just means you're only making a certain number. So everything that has a limit to what, they're, what they'll make is accurate. But a collector's edition is implying that this is the version and the edition collectors will want. And we know that dialed in is not a collector's desirable. We know that Pirates of the Caribbean collector's edition won't be collected. Okay? It may be bought by Richie Wrench, but there aren't 250 people that want to shell out twenty. $12,500 prematurely because it's been titled a collectible already. All right. All right. So that scares me that we're starting to use ridiculous phrasing with some of these games. All right. I'll tell you what doesn't scare me. How freaking awesome Monster Bash Remake seems to be. I keep hearing more and more great things about this game. If you haven't already, I would go watch the Halloween special of Greg and Zach on Straight Down the Middle. They do a great walkthrough and review of Monster Bash Remake. It's absolutely terrific. Uh, It was my best look at this new game since I didn't see it at Expo. And I'm starting to believe the rumors that the LEs are selling like hotcakes. Again, I don't think they're sold out. I Google searched Monster Bash Remake LE and I still found... Uh, them for sale at different distributors, 12,500, um, 12,500, 1,250, sorry, 1,250 limited editions is still a lot. Like, that's a lot at, at what, $8,000 a game? Like, that's a lot of money, uh, and that's a lot of games that have to be sold to completely sell out. But it seems like the value is there. Um, you know what scares me also? It scares me that I was reading people on Pinside say that the Monsters code is is going to be better than Monster Bash's code. They're, they're already People are already saying, without a doubt, it's just going to be a better game because it's going to have deeper code. And I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that we're already saying that Dwight is going to code the, you know, uh, monsters better than Monster Bash. Monster Bash is Monster Bash is a classic, is one of the greatest pinball machines of all time because it is the perfect blending of all the things we deem important in pinball. It has great shots. None of them are tight. You're not bricking shots. It has great artwork on everything, except for maybe the playfield, you could argue, needs a little work. But where the playfield artwork, I think, is overcome is because your eyes are on all those fun mechanisms and toys and lights and, and things going on on the playfield. It is a world under glass like no other. It's got amazing lights. It's got amazing callouts. It's got amazing music. It's got understandable code. When I listen to people say, you know, Monster Bash has no depth because, because you know what to do and you can get to it and you can beat the game and then you have to start over. You know, this whole notion that a game is only great if there's all these unobtainable things that are buried deep in the game's code is absolutely ridiculous. Okay? Absolutely ridiculous. You know, whatever. 
I've jailed all the villains in Batman. I've jailed minor villains in Batman. Will I ever be able, will I ever be good enough to jail all the major villains and all the minor villains in all of their individual seasons at once during one game to maybe unlock some crazy final wizard mode in Batman? Never. I will never be able to do that. And neither will 99% of you. No, like, like five people on planet Earth got to Valinor on Lord of the Rings. And yet for some stupid reason, people hold you know, those impossible to get to journeys as like a rationale for keeping the game. Like you're going to keep chipping away, even though you'll never get there. The fact that you can keep hoping to get there means the game is better. It's so weird to me. You know, and Monster Bash Code takes like such a beating from people and it's not it's not bad at all. It's Lyman Sheets like rookie, you know, one of his rookie titles. But he look, you only need to know one thing. There's a reason why Lyman Sheets owns a Monster Bash and he has it in his house. He's coded many games. He doesn't have every game he's coded in his house. He still considers Monster Bash to be one of the most fun pinball machines ever. And I think you do too if you would just stop thinking that depth equals fun, right? You know, look, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean versus Monster Bash. Like, which one is more fun? Which one is more approachable? Which one has more magical stuff going on on the play field? You know, which one brings the theme to life better? You know, all these things. I would say, like, probably in, like, 75% of the category, Monster Bash is just a better pinball game. And that's my opinion. But, again, I just think it's, like, it's such a... like, Like people said, you will flip Monster Bash... And you will, and something will happen. You'll figure something out intuitively the moment you plunge the game. That's what pinball's supposed to be. I, I literally, I, I still have people play Pirates of the Caribbean and they have no idea what they're doing. All right. So, look, um, I think that doesn't scare me how good Monster Bash Remake is, and and I think it's it's really cool. Um, how awesome this title is, and I think the concept of them doing something similar with Cactus Canyon and with Theater of Magic and with Big Bang Bar. I mean, you know, imagine those three games with the improved display and the nicer armor and the nicer, like, topper and, like, full RGB LED displays, right? Imagine those games with just those right amount of modern touches. Uh, And I think this company... This is the one company that I think Stern is probably most afraid of. I I really do. I, I have to say that... You know, between Monster Bash and Monsters, are people going to buy both? Uh, and which one is going to be the one that, like, dominates the monster category? All right? All right, what else scares me in pinball right now? I'm scared that Deep Root doesn't realize how few months are left between now and TPF. Uh, I'm, I'm just scared that they said too much. I am. I, I mean, I, I'm really cheering for these guys to deliver what they said they're going to deliver. I also will not crucify them if they don't deliver all of that. You know, I, I think they sort of oversold a lot of what they need to do in 2019 to establish themselves as a real player in the pinball world. 
They don't need to make more games than every manufacturer has ever released in a year. Like, no one's asked for that. They don't need, like, the cheapest games ever. Like, collectors and pinball buyers aren't asking for that. And, and what people want, right? They don't want cheap pinball. They don't want, like, tons of pinball. They just want a magical game. Like, they really just want a fun game where there's a world under glass, where the ball does magical things, where the code is fun, where the light shows are fun, where the callouts are cool, where the art's nice. Yeah, like, they just want simple things as I go on to list like 15 things that everyone demands in every single game or else the game gets crucified. But you just need to make one great game. Like American pinball is in the same boat. Jersey Jack was in the same boat. You need to make one great game that establishes what you're capable of. Right? That is why The Hobbit is selling where it's selling. Because coming off of The Wizard of Oz, where Jack put everything in the kitchen sink into pinball, and there was all that excitement because of all the innovation, you know, The Hobbit felt like a step backwards for them. Right? And so, like, that's why it's, it's crazy that you can go get, go get a Hobbit for $6,000. It, it's just mind-boggling that you can get a Hobbit for that, that cheap. Um, and they're going to keep going down because people are going to, like, free up Hobbits to get pirates. It's, it's weird. And, and then it's going to go down even more because people are going to free up Hobbits and pirates to get Willy Wonka and Toy Story, you know, and, and Guns N' Roses. So um, cr- kind of crazy that Jack's games uh, aren't staying at a higher price point. And, and, and I, you know, I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, it, it, I think that is the ultimate indicator that uh, they sort of missed the mark on these titles a little bit, right? All right, what else scares me? I'm scared. I'm scared that there's pre-order dollars happening for Oktoberfest right now and people don't know what the final game is. That scares me. It scares me that, once again, most people are not playing a pinball machine before they're being asked to commit to buy. I think we've all reached a period now where everyone should jump on a machine before they decide to buy it or not. And I've learned this too. Every single LE, you know, the only reason to buy before seeing it is you might be afraid that it's going to sell out. But I've seen every single LE or SLE, you name the machine, it has always come up for sale uh, at one point or another. So if you had just waited, you would still be able to get it. Every, you know, they all come up for sale. And if you just don't fall victim to the fear of missing out during that initial reveal window, you're going to be just fine. And chances are you'll be better off. You know, I lucked out waiting a year. I got Batman a year after it came out. And I lucked out for two reasons. One, I was able to get better code immediately. And two, I was able to protect my play field and prevent all the crappy dimpling that happens on stern play fields um, with a play field protector. All right. All right. So that scares me. I'm scared that American Pinball uh, is not going to make enough changes uh, that people are looking for, that I think the display and the animations and some of those things, you know, if they're looking to get the game out the door in January, I, I, I think there's a lot of work to be done. And I'm not, and I'm scared that they don't have the talent in-house to raise the caliber of this game to where it needs to be to compete with other titles that are in the same price point. 
when we see the monsters and we see the animations on that game, we are going to say, do I buy monsters or do I buy Oktoberfest or do I buy Monster Bash Remake or do I buy Alice Cooper or do I buy Pirates of the Caribbean, right? It's crazy. It is crazy the amount of options we have, all right? All right. What else scares me going on in the pinball world right now? Um, I am scared that they're going to make Primus Pinball. I don't really want a Primus Pinball, but I also think it's going to be one of these where like the band commissioned them to make the machine. I think it's going to come from Stern. I think it's going to have um, Zombie Yeti artwork. I'm scared that people out there think Primus is deserved of a pinball machine. They're they're an opening act. Bubba, are you a Primus fan? Is that what that reaction was? What's the big deal, buddy? Maybe Bubba is a Primus fan, and I just upset him. Um, what else am I scared about? I'm you know I'm scared that Jersey Jack is not going to get to all these great games that we know are on the docket, and I'm scared that one day. Sorry, guys. This is New York City on Halloween. You're going to get sirens and everything. I'm scared that one day, Jack's billionaire investor is just going to wake up and be tired of losing all this money. And and that, that scares me because I really want Jack and company to hit it out of the park. And it does feel like he's got three mega titles around the corner in Toy Story, Guns N' Roses, and um, Willy Wonka. But I'm scared because if Pirates isn't where it needs to be, you really have to wonder... At what point does this guy just say enough already? Enough. Because with a factory that size and only have like X number of games going out the door a day or being made a day, you know, Jack scaled up, but then he hasn't been able to get manufacturing where it needs to be. And he also, again, like I also think he just made a lot of mistakes in terms of the themes he selected with these games. I, you know, Jersey Jack should be the company where people are, are, the games are sold out overnight, immediately. Like if Jersey Jack even just said, back to the future, we're only making like 650 LEs. You know, they, they should make like 880 LEs to, you know, symbolic to the 88 miles an hour, whatever, you know. He would be fine. He would be fine. But no, like... Pirates of the Caribbean. Nobody wants that theme. I'm just scared that they have people internally over there that green lit a theme like that. I, I literally, I just can't. I, I I get that you guys who like it like it. I just it, what that's what scares me is that they don't have the marketing know how to realize a bad theme, and it is a bad theme. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, Disney just booted Johnny Depp from the franchise, and you're releasing a machine with his grill all over it. I mean, come on. Even Disney doesn't want him anymore and thinks the theme needs a refresh, and now you're coming out with the outdated version of the theme. All right? All right. What scares me at Spooky Pinball? Uh, Pretty much everything. (laughs) No, I mean, mean, look. What scares me about Spooky is, is, is basically that they won't put someone else in the design chair instead of Chuck. My biggest fear, my biggest fear, and what scares me, is that Chuck 
wants to be known as I feel like he wants to be known as a, as a as a pinball designer. And I think his talents are actually elsewhere in the organization and I think he needs to be the Gary Stern of the company and manage the day-to-day operations of Spooky Pinball, but I think it's time that he gives up the reins of design and actually lets people who are better at it take the helm. And I know that's hard to do because he's a pinball fan and he likes pinball and he wants to do things different, but Spooky has yet to design a game that feels like it's, it's it, again, it's on the level it needs to be to be competitive in terms of gameplay with these modern games. You know, I just saw that someone is trying to sell another Alice Cooper spot for $600. They're trying to sell uh, a spot, which is a $400 savings. And it's, it's game number like 114, which means you can get your game way ahead of people near the end of the line. And guess what? The spot, it's still for sale. And I, I, it's a bad time with everyone probably waiting to see Monsters and with Monster Bash being so cheap for just the, you know, the standard edition. Um, all right, what else scares me in pinball? Um, you know, I'm scared that no one is ever going to get their big Lebowskis. I'm scared that everyone who's in on that is going to still hope for the best, but I'm scared that it's over. And we haven't heard anything from them. The last we heard was, unfortunately, Yop was was battling a medical condition. Um, But I'm scared that this is just over. But I'm also scared people are never going to get closure. I think it's important every once in a while for people to do the right thing. And that's call it quits. and, And actually say it's over. Like we're done. We are out of business these games will no longer be made. Um, we will explore selling the design to another manufacturer to make those games. Um, but I think if you paid money to Dutch Pinball, you will never see a game. And, and I think that sucks. And, and, I, and, I, and I hate that. Um, I'm scared. <laughs> um, one of my biggest fears, and, and I was saying this to a friend the other day, I think one of the things that I'm scared about the most is that people's expectations of pinball machines are the lowest I think they've ever been. And I think what people expect for the money is the lowest it's ever been in pinball. You know, and I'm scared that we're going to keep averaging down these machines uh, to the point where you're really not even getting half of what you're paying for. And what I mean by that is, I think we're starting, I'm starting to look at like $9,000 machines and feel like they look like they're $4,500 machines to me. And, and I'm scared that because everyone else around Stern can't get their act together, that we're just going to keep seeing sort of like, you know, halfway creative efforts uh, because it's all they're going to need to sell pinball. Right, so I'm, I'm I'm scared about that. I mean, again, like guys, these aren't like these aren't like real fears or things that are I'm truly terrified about in life. And I, I I'd say this, you know, a little bit with some wink and a nod, but you know, these are things that I'm I'm scared about in the pinball hobby. Um, I'm scared that some of you on Pinside are addicted. I am. 
I, I think that there are people on the forum who need to just stop. And I'm scared that some of you have made pinball such a big part of your life that it has to have eroded away other more meaningful areas of your life. And I don't know most of you personally. I don't know your dynamic with your significant other or your children or, you know, your your free time. But I do know that there's no way that some of you out there can spend this much time thinking about pinball, talking about pinball, arguing about pinball, getting all like heated and stressed out about pinball. And I, I, I don't know how you can do that without it negatively impacting other areas of your life that you should probably invest more time in. And I'm scared that people let this hobby take over way too much of your time. You let this hobby take over way too much of your money. And you let this hobby take over way too much of your priorities. And, and we, all, we all struggle with this. I mean, life is a, a tug of war between work and play. It really, that's the way it is for me. And when your work is your play, you're absolutely winning at life. You know, Keith Elwin is feeling great. Steve Bowden is feeling great. You know, the pinball designers out there, they feel great. They get to go in every day and do something they love. Most of you guys on Pinside, like, be honest. Like, are you really doing what you love? Because it sort of feels like you're on there because you just want an outlet to yell at people or to be angry about something. Um, And you're sort of using this as a, you know, it's almost like you buy a pinball machine and now I have my ticket where I can go online and yell about stuff and insult people because I've got a machine and and this is what we do. And, And I think it's, it's, it's time that a lot of people just reevaluate like how invested emotionally and how much time do you want to invest and to the point where like you're, you're becoming like obsessed, right? And I get accused of that. You know, people accuse me like, well, look at you, you have a podcast. Well, yeah. I mean, I invest, I invest the amount of time that I can to this, right? And, and I will never, ever, sacrifice like taking Brenda out for dinners or taking vacations or doing other things that I enjoy uh, because of pinball, right? I will, you will never see me traveling the world because of pinball. You know, I will not seek out pinball when I'm in a new city, all right? I will seek out the culture of that city. You know why? Because it's the same fucking Monster Bash, boys. It's the same fucking games. Half of these guys, like Roto Dave... They got, they own the fucking machines. You can go to Paris and play pinball. Come on. I won't be that guy. Again, I'm not like, if you are obsessed, it's okay. Like, again, live life on your terms. I'm just scared that some people um, let it take over their lives too much. All right. What else am I scared about? I'm scared of the, the font that's being used on This Week in Pinball's website. I, 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 I'm scared. They, they need to change that font. I, I don't think you could find another website on planet Earth that uses like Comic Sans font on a website throughout. So I'm scared about that. Jeff, come on, change the font. Make it more mobile friendly, all right? <laughs> oh, Jeff, you know I love you, brother. But you should not. Have, so Jeff, Jeff and I had a little like spat uh, a few weeks ago. And I'll tell you why. Um, because he texted me 
asking if I would feel bad that something happened to a pinball artist because I leaked images of that artist's work. Um, I did not put that artist's images anywhere. If people shared them that I shared with, that was a dumb mistake on my part. But I, I'm not responsible for anyone getting fired. And nobody did get fired. And nobody is, is you know, on the chopping block. Uh, but what upset me was I was on my way to dinner with Brenda. And I get this text that's just like makes me feel shitty. And it's like, I, that's where pinball to me, again. And I know you guys can relate to this. When pinball, like, infiltrates your evening, your life, your job... To the point where like the stresses of this hobby or people in it are bringing you down or like arguing with you or making you feel bad. It's like to me, it's just like that's when it's like, well, fuck this. Like it's not worth it. Like I'm not following pinball to, you know, to have it then come back at me and ruin (laughs) my day. It's a fucking toy. You know, and look, I don't hold it against Jeff. I don't hold it against, you know, a lot of the guys out there that are like hyper into the hobby. Um, But I'm just saying there's like, there's a part of all of us. And for you who listen to this show, you can relate to this. There's a part of all of us that is like the pinball part of our personalities, right? Like we all share a common interest in something that we love. And that is awesome. And that is why hobbies are awesome. And that is why having side hustles and side interests are awesome. But there's also a completely other side to us that none of my pinball friends really know too much about. And they can't, they can't possibly be expected to know all of those things. Like, they're not going to know if I have, like, family problems or issues or, like, you know, health concerns or all these things. I don't go to the doctor and then tell everyone on my pinball circle, like, what the doctor found. You know, it's not like that. Um, But so that's why, like, you know, I think sometimes when we have pinball friends and we're connected, we just always assume that we always want to be talking about pinball at all times and I, you know, sometimes that's the case. And sometimes you just catch your, your pinball friends in a bad moment. And the last thing they want to fucking talk about is how disappointed you are in the Beatles pricing. And they're like, Jesus, man, just get a fucking life. Like nobody cares. Like, why do you give two fucks about a game? You're not even going to buy, like, shut the fuck up already. Like, don't you ever feel that way at times? And you probably feel that way after you listen to this podcast. You're like, Canada, you fucking hypocrite. Like, stop. You're the fucking, you're the problem too, man. Just shut up. And you're probably right. But for some reason, you keep listening to this podcast. Maybe we're all just addicted and doomed to an eternity of overemphasizing pinball in our lives. And we'll all be buried inside cabinets of total nuclear annihilation one day. I don't know. I really don't know. All right. Well, everyone, I'm at the hour point. I try not to go over an hour. Um, You haven't heard from me in a few days. That's partially because Brenda is traveling with the computer that I usually do the show with. I have some good news. Um, 
Ben Heck is going to be a guest on the show. I might talk to him tomorrow. It might be over the weekend. Again, because Brenda has the computer that I use to interview people. Um, but Ben Heckendorn, um, always love having Ben on the show. Very outspoken, very animated, very passionate guy. He will be joining the show. Um, he told me he will. And, and I say that because I've had other people say they're going to come on the show and then all of a sudden they don't even want to come on the show. Uh, I've been telling Nirmal over at American Pinball, like, dude, it's a mistake to tell me you're going to come on the show and then just not come on the show. Like, what good does it do American Pinball to not come on here and talk about their game? I mean, you guys know me. Like, don't leave the only messaging around your game to be from Canada's mouth. Like, that is not the smartest marketing move for a guy that's in charge of sales and marketing of the game. We would have a good talk. I mean, I want, I really want to talk to him too about like the monkey business. I want to talk to him about like, you know, how that decision came about, like what their, what they, what their feelings are, you know, with the response people have given them. Um, I want to talk about the changes they're going to make. I, that's really what I want to talk about is what are the changes we're going to see as we get to production of, of Oktoberfest. All right. All right, everyone. Have a very, very happy Halloween. Stay safe. Eat some candy. You know, enjoy your pinball machines. And everybody, everybody, I think everyone should do this. I think what would help all the craziness around the moaning, the complaining, the bickering. I don't know about you guys, but I get really, really cranky in life when I stop exercising. Right. I get cranky when I feel like I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not taking care of my health. I think everybody should adopt the following behavior in life. You should mirror the amount of days you go to the gym with the amount of days you log on the pin side. All right. If people did that, right? So if you went to the gym that day, you can log on the pin side. If people did that, can you imagine what the pinball community would look like a year from now? Like Crazy Levy, um, Auric, and Hilton, and Iceman, they would look like jacked motherfuckers a year from now. They would look like it would be like a bodybuilding competition when we went to, you know, TPF or Expo. Uh, You know, I think that is a great way or resolution for you guys to do next year or anytime starting tomorrow. Just go to the gym for every uh, day you want to be on Pinside. And I think you'll be much happier and you'll stop giving two shits that Stern made a pinball machine that you're not going to buy and you're not going to shut up about it until they sell out of it. Everyone, that's episode 277. Have a great day. Email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. And thank you to all of you out there who have donated to my Patreon page. I love you guys. I appreciate the support. And we'll talk to you real soon. (laughs) 